Have you ever had an unexpected visitor show up at your house? I see some nods of heads. Right? We've all had an unexpected visitor show up at our house. Have you ever had an unexpected visitor show up at your house and begin to clean your house? Not so much, right? So I want to tell you a quick story this morning. There was a time in mine and Kendall's life and our marriage and in our family that it was just a chaotic season. Amen? Can anybody testify to that this morning, the, of a chaotic season of, of ball games and events and just trying to keep things going and keep the washing machine? You know, you wash them, and like somebody said, then it takes five to seven business days for the clothes to get folded, you know? But there was a season of our life where things were chaotic. There were dirty dishes in the sink, and there were things that needed to be dusted, and, and, and the house was just kind of in disarray. And we literally had a knock at the door one day, and it was a neighbor, it was a friend of ours, and she came over and she just said, I'm going to help you clean up. And so she began to help us clean up, and she washed dishes, and she did things. Now, my thing is, that's an act of love, amen? I mean, it's hard enough to keep our own houses in order, much less to go over to somebody else's house and say, hey, I know you're in this season, I know you have a lot going on, I just want to be a blessing, I want to help you out. It also takes your love and your relationship with a friend a little bit deeper whenever they fold your underwear. I'm just saying. I mean, she came and there was a basket of underwear, and and that's just kind of, that's kind of awkward, right? There's a tie back into this this morning about an unexpected visitor. And so I just want to set the scene for us again, especially for our visitors and those who were out last week. We've kicked off our Easter series which we're calling Last Days. Okay, we're looking at Jesus' last days. And last Sunday, we began by looking at Jesus' last Sunday. What do we know about that last Sunday? Well, that last Sunday that Jesus had when he enters Jerusalem, when he's entering the city, they're celebrating what's known as Passover. They're celebrating the remembrance of being brought out of bondage. In, in the Israelites, of being brought out of bondage from Egypt. So that's what Passover, it's a week-long celebration. They're getting ready, they're headed into that. It's, it's a grand time, amen? And so Jesus is coming in, and he's coming in, he rides in on a donkey. We talked about that, how he came on a donkey. When he comes again, he's riding on a white horse. We talked about how that a donkey is a symbol of peace. It also lines up with Scripture in the Old Testament, that he would come riding on a on a donkey, he would come riding on a colt, but when he comes again, he's riding on a white horse, which is a picture of war, a picture of purity, a picture of vi- victory. Amen? When he definitely, de- he's defeated death, but he will come again and defeat the enemies of this world. Amen? They are no match for our Lord Jesus. And so we talked about last week that Jesus came on a peaceful mission, and we saw that in... Um, him riding in on a donkey, we, we saw how the people, they, Hosanna in the highest, they were shouting and singing his praises. And so we call that the triumphal entry. We call that Palm Sunday. That's where we get those things because they laid palm branches out. We also talked about last week that, um, that even though these people were singing and shouting, yay, Hosanna in the highest, they were, they were praising God that just a few days later they would be the ones to desert him. They would be the ones to turn their back on him. 
Right? Let's not be like those people. Let's not just sing and shout on Sunday morning, praise God, and then walk out of here and just say, I don't need you. I don't need that stuff. So he came on a peaceful mission. He came on a passionate mission. We talked about this time of year, you have passion plays. Or there was a movie called The Passion of the Christ. And passion at its root is suffering. He came to suffer for you and for I. So he came on a peaceful mission. He came on a passionate mission. And he came on a purposeful mission. Amen. He came on a mission to, to conquer death. He came on a mission to, so we wouldn't have to do sacrifices anymore. And see, y'all need to get a picture of this because like brother Wilbur reminded me when they went and they sacrificed those animals, have you ever worked with an animal? Have you ever killed an animal? Have you ever like, you know, those who deer hunt uh, brother Danny, you know, when you, when you clean a deer after you shot, that's a bloody stinky mess. Amen. And so if they were doing that for all those people, it was a bloody stinky mess. And so that's what Jesus came to say, look, you don't have to worry about those sacrifices anymore. I am the ultimate sacrifice. And I will take on the penalty of your sin on the cross so that you may be made righteous. So that when my father looks at you, he doesn't see your sin because he can't look on sin, but he sees the, he sees the purity of my blood on the cross and the, and the sacrifice and, and the payment that I made. And he looks on you and he sees perfection. He doesn't see perfection because you and I are perfect perfect. Amen. It's because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. So this morning, I want you to look in your bulletin and the scriptures are, are referenced there. And I'm, I'm using this for a couple reasons. One, so that you have them in front of you, but also maybe this coming week you might take on a Tuesday evening or a Thursday at lunch. And, and you might just say, okay, let me just reread this passage for myself. Amen. Let me go back and read this. And so I want us to go through um, these three passages. So we have Matthew 21, 12 through 7, Mark 11, 12 through 19, and then Luke 19, 45 through 48. John, the Gospel of John, he makes no mention of Monday's activities. And so I want us to start and I want us to look at Matthew chapter 12, sorry, chapter 21. And we're going to start in verse 12. Before we do, I'd like to pray before we start, Father God, give us open ears and open hearts to see you more clearly. Father, I pray for these here today that, that your word would fall on fertile hearts and that there might be growth. God, help us to remove the weeds. Help us to remove the clutter. Help us to remove the things that are not of you, are not of love, are not of worthy and praiseworthy things. Father, speak to us through your Holy Spirit and through your word. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So let's look at Matthew chapter 21, 12 through 17. And Jesus entered the temple, and he drove out all who sold and bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer. But you make it a den of robbers. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. Amen. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. And they said to him, do you hear what? These are saying, and Jesus said to them, you have heard, you have, 
Have you never read, out of the mouth of infants and nursing babes, you have prepared praise? And leaving them, he went out of the city to Bethany and lodged there. So here we see Matthew's account of Jesus on his last Monday leading up to the cross. I want you to see as we just kind of make a few points in this text that it says in verse 12, And Jesus entered the temple and drove them out. He drove them out because they were not making his house a house of prayer, but they were literally robbing people. Friends, that should not be. Then or now. Then I want you to see too that we mentioned in there that it talked about the blind and the lame and that he healed him. Can I remind you this morning that he's healed, he is still healing the blind and still healing the lame? He's helping people to see. Right? This, that should be our prayer for those that we're praying for that are lost. Lord, drop the scales off of their eyes so they might see you. Heal those that are lame. Heal those that are sick. He's still the mighty physician. Amen? He's still healing. He's still... My prayer a lot of times for people is, God, you know, will you remind them of your peace and presence? Will you place your healing hand upon them? And Lord, will you give the doctors and their caretakers the wisdom that they need to help them? Thank God for medicine, amen? My other prayer is sometimes, Lord, maybe give them the wisdom they need as they're reading that test and maybe maybe even give them the wisdom to say, wait a second, let me take a second look, amen? Because we want people to be diligent. We want God to give them wisdom. And thank goodness that we have medicine. Thank goodness that we have doctors. But friends, we need to know the ultimate and the mighty healer, the mighty physician. He wants he, he wants to be a part of our lives. And thank God that Jesus came. And thank God that Jesus didn't say, hey, I know this week is going to be hard. But I'm not focused on this week. I'm focused on you, Lord. I'm focused on what you want, Father. Not what I want. Not my will, but yours be done. Now, I want you to see in verse 15, what did it say? But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna, the son of of David, they were indignant. Now, that's a strong word, amen? They were indignant. Why were they indignant? They were indignant because he had damaged their business model. Amen. They were profiting off of those that had come to celebrate Passover. And what would happen is they would say, okay, you came from, you came from Alkalu. Well, your money from Alkalu is no good here. You got to have the temple coin and there's got to be exchange. So, uh, your two coins from Alkalu, that's what it's going to take to be able to buy this dove to sacrifice it. So what they were doing is they were marking it up intentionally. They knew where the people were coming from, and they saw the profits. They saw the profits that they could make, and they said, Ooh, okay, yeah, buddy, it only cost me one coin, and I'm going to get another coin because you've got to have the special coin. That's what's going on. That's how they were robbing people in the temple of God. But they were indignant because he had damaged their business model, and he was costing them money. Why else were they indignant? They were indignant because his preaching was against injustice and his teaching favored the poor rather than the rich. They didn't like that. 
Even today in 2019, people don't like what the blessed word of the Lord says, amen? They don't want to hear it. They want something to tickle their ears. and They want something to make them feel good. They don't want to look in and see. I, I'm just so thankful that the word of God doesn't skip over some things, amen? It's in there. It's in black and white. People say, well, that's in the Bible. Yeah, it's in there. And now you know good and well if man wrote this for man's glory, would they have left out some of those bad parts? Oh, you better believe it. But the Holy Spirit inspired men of God who, who, who wrote those things down under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit for us to have. And people have died for this. Amen. John Cook and Lois Cook spent how many years? The majority of their life, the whole part of his life, adult life, was spent loving and serving other people. Now, you think he saw something here that was worthy of imitation? Yes. And he tried to help other people. Verse 16, it says, The praise of infants and nursing babies. Can I just remind you this morning that sometimes that we need the... We just need to remember that sometimes children got it right and we don't. Why did Jesus talk so much about children? Because there's purity in a child. Amen? Children worship, praise the Lord. Beautiful thing, we had a a snow cone event that we had out here. I remember little Darby, she came out and the little girl came up and she ran and she hugged her and they began to spin around and hold hands and Darby's little white girl and this other little girl was African American. And I said, my goodness, they must know each other from school. No. Come to find out they didn't. She was just happy to see somebody else her size. Amen. She had made a friend and she just had a good time out there and then spinning around and smiling. But they didn't see people get blinders on. Amen. They get things and and prejudices and they see things differently. But from the babe, from the from the from a babe, that's what he's talking about there. That's perfect worship. So, friends, don't get so indignant that you know it all. That you've been around the church since they set the cornerstone on this building. It don't matter. If you're not living for Jesus, if you're not imitating Him, if you're not loving and serving others, what good is that? Because James says faith without works is dead. Our works don't save us, but they're a byproduct of a changed life. Verse 17. Verse 17 says, and leaving them, he went out of the city to Bethany and lodged there. Now listen, can I tell you something? Then and now, Jesus gives us two tracks. And he gives people choices. The first track is there are those that are going to hear Jesus and their lives are changed. And they have hope. And, and they, they have Jesus. They, they're going to move forward. Amen. And then there's other people that are indignant. And they're hopeless. Because they put more emphasis on themselves and what they know. So then and now we have two choices. When Jesus comes, when we come to a service and you hear certain truths that are preached and taught, you're either going to live by those truths or you're going to live in the wisdom of man and of the world and of your own opinion that's going to lead you straight to damnation or either you're going you're gonna to live a life that's honoring to the Lord and taking next steps with Him. There's just two options. There's no middle ground. There's no, oh, we'll just kind of, well, on Sunday we're going to go over here. 
we're going to do this, we'll live this way. Well, then, you know, come Wednesday, nope, it's my way, this is the way it's going to happen, the guy having this way, oh, whatever, forget about prayer, we don't need that, here's what's going to happen, right? No, it's not some meandering path. It's two choices. You're either going down this path or you're going this path. Which one are you going to choose? I have a question for you this morning. Really, Jesus came and as he enters the scene there of the church and, and they are just robbing people. They're putting barriers and blockades in front of people. What would Jesus say about our worship? What would Jesus say about our church? I'm not talking about what songs we sing, whether it's a hymn or something a little bit more upbeat. But I'm talking about are we placing barriers in the way of people getting to Jesus? Don't get in the way of people making their way to Jesus. Listen, it's not about them getting to church. It's about them getting to Jesus. Our Facebook post, we posted something this past week where we talked about where's the church. And it had all these places on this little city map of where the church is. That's where the church is, amen? It's not just here. It's not just these four walls, but it's being the church at our house. It's being our. It's being the church at a restaurant. It's being church at your work. It's being church at your family gatherings. It's being the church at a stoplight and in your interactions. If a church, if the church is a vehicle, praise God. But what about the way you react? What about the way you love? What about the way maybe you lack to love? What about the way you serve? Do you think Jesus can be shown through your service, through your love, through your actions, through your interactions? He can. And as we we unpack this passage this morning, I ran across this truth. Israel failed to understand the temple's significance. Their failure wasn't just on conducting sacrifices in the wrong way, profiting from the poor, or personal corruption among the priesthood. Jesus' critique was that ritual itself was obscuring authentic communion with God. See, friends, I don't want to be rote. I don't want to be legalistic. I don't want to be ritualistic. Some churches have some golden calves that they couldn't kill if Jesus came back. And what do I mean by that? There's these sacred programs. I mean, I hear about it all the time. Some preacher gets blessed out because, heaven forbid, they moved chairs in the Sunday school room and they didn't line up exactly back where they needed to be. Now, is that something worth blessing somebody out for? No. You slide it a little six inches to the left, put it back wherever you had it. Move pianos or move this. Man, it's not yours to begin with. Just because you gave it doesn't mean that it's your... I mean, you gave it to the house of the Lord. Let it be used for His glory. Amen? And I pray that we don't have those things around here. 
But there are, they're golden calves, there's golden programs. I mean, some people worship like a wanna, like it's, you know, the best thing since Jesus Christ. It is good, but goodness gracious, you don't hold on to it until it needs a shock because it's dead. I mean, this church used to do a wanna, amen, but we're not just still hanging on, you know, it, it, it ran its course. It had a season. Will this church do a wanna again? I don't know. If the Lord wants us to and we have people to serve, praise God. We know that it works. But guess what? You didn't just hold on to it and say, oh, we've done a wanna and this is the only way we can reach children and we got to keep doing this and nobody's showing up and we're spending money and it's taxing on our people, but we got to keep doing it. It's not reaching anybody. But you know what that is? That's a definition of insanity. Doing the same thing over and over again, expecting what? Different results. You see, their commercialism frustrated people's attempt at worship. And any practice that interferes with worshiping God should be stopped. Turn to Mark's gospel, Mark 11, 12 through 19. Mark chapter 11, turn to the right. Mark 11, 12 through 19. On the following day, when they came from Bethany, he was hungry. That's Jesus. And seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to it to see if he could find anything on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. And he said to it, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it. And they came to Jerusalem and he entered the temple and he began to drive out those who sold and those who bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. And he was teaching them and saying, it is not, it is, is it not written, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. And the chief priests and scribes heard it and were seeking a way to destroy him. Literally, another translation says, kill him. For they feared him because all the crowd was astonished at his teaching. And when evening came, they went out of the city. Really quickly, verse 13, the fig tree. The fig tree, there are parallels between the fig tree and what happened in the temple. And what's happening here, friends, is the fig tree showed or that promised that there would be fruit, but there was none. It showed that it, it, because it was in leaf, it should have had figs, but it had none. And so ultimately, whether it's the fig tree, the parable of the fig tree, or whether it's what Jesus does in the temple, Jesus was ultimately angry at religious life without substance. See, friends, if you claim to have faith without putting work, putting it to work in your life, you're like that barren fruit tree. You were fruitful in appearance, but spiritually barren. God help us. Let me remind you of this this morning as well. Genuine faith has great potential. Genuine faith has great potential. How is that, Pastor Chris? 
ask God to help you bear fruit for his kingdom. Amen? That's all you got to do. Lord says the fields are wide unto harvest. Pray for laborers. But as Brother Jimmy and I have talked about many a times, there's a time to pray, and there's a time to put feet in action to our prayers. Amen? What if our prayer was, make me a vessel? Y'all hear me talk about that? A vessel of hope, encouragement, light, love. Make me a vessel. There's a song called New Wine. It says this, make me your vessel. Make me an offering. Make me whatever you want me to be. Listen, I came here with nothing but all you have given me. Jesus, bring new wine out of me. Ultimately, friends, Jesus was so angry because they were exploiting others. Listen, he couldn't stand to watch simple but sincere people cheated for religious profit. Simple and sincere. He mentioned the children, right? Sometimes I wish in ministry, I don't, I don't want people that are church hoppers. Amen. I'll take them. If they come, praise God. They need to be fed. But I want to go re- I want to go where people haven't gone before. Amen. I want to reach people that don't have preconceived notions of what church is supposed to be, right? I want people that seek after the Lord and learn what they, it is supposed to be. Not what a preconceived notion is of what church is supposed to be. And that's the thing, y'all. Jesus was so upset because these simple but sincere people were, had blockades that were keeping them from reaching Jesus. God forbid that ever be us. God forbid that ever be me. God forbid that ever be you, amen? Simple, but sincere. Heard a story one time, somebody said, well, she don't look like she dressed to come to church. Does she need Jesus? Yes. Is she going to hear about Jesus? Yes. And your point? Think about it. Jesus called us to be fishers of men. This is a real simple illustration. You, you got to cast your nets. You got to cast your line and practice catching. But you got to catch them before you can clean them. Amen. So if we would just go out in the world and be salt and be light and live the things that you're being taught in your small group, live the things that you're being taught on Sunday morning, live the things that you're being taught as you read and seek God. Imagine the difference he could make. Amen? Through you. Someone who surrendered. I won't get to the last passage. That's okay. Read it for yourself. You've got it there in your bulletin. But listen, worship is a sacred trust where commerce and hypocrisy have no place. And I also want to remind you of something else. Instead of being a burden, be a blessing. Remove barriers and be a door holder. There's a ministry called Passion. It's a conference geared just towards young adults. 
who have just graduated college students. They fill the uh, Georgia Dome there in Georgia. And years ago, part of their culture is that they have door holders. So what do they mean by that? Psalm 84.10 says, For better... For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper, a door holder in the house of God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. And here's the things, friends, from the Passion Conference. They define it as this. One who takes the pleasure in opening the door, literally, for others to experience Jesus. So you see, we gotta, we gotta make this shift from ourselves and, and, and really begin to focus on others and, and, and to be a door holder so that others might have a powerful experience and experience Jesus. Honestly, I think we can sum up these passages. I think I can sum up this whole message with one sentence. Listen, lean in. Be still, lean in. Jesus is about putting things back in order. That's what this passage is really about. The temple had made it all about how can we profit? Ooh, these people are coming here from outside and man, we can mark this up and they got to have this special coin because they can't buy it without the temple coin. And man, we're going to rake in some extra money. Putting up barriers. Jesus came to restore order. He came to restore order in our relationship with God. What sin had separated, He came to pay the price that we might be able to have communion with the Father through the final sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice. He came to restore our focus on worship. In our appearance of godliness. Our appearance that we got it all together on the outside. But really spiritually, we're barren on the inside. So I just want to ask you this morning, as we close out this message. Miss Betsy's going to continue to play. Thank you, Miss Betsy. We said that Jesus came to bring order, to restore order. So I want to ask you this morning, where is there chaos in your life? Where is there chaos in your life? Where, where are there some things in your life that maybe have, you've lost your focus? Maybe things have kind of gotten out of place, out of order? And where do you need Jesus to restore that order? I just ask you now, if you will, every head bowed, every eye closed, just there at your seat as Miss Bessie continues to play, play for us. Where is there chaos in your life? Will you just admit that to your Father? Just ask Him to bring order to that area.
Father God, thank you so much that you have reminded us this morning that you came to restore order. Fathers, I mentioned in my message that there are two ways whenever we hear a message like this. We're either going to acknowledge that you came to bring order and and just lean into you, lean into that fact and ask you to work in our hearts and our lives. Father, we're going to leave here and say, that's all right. I'll find it some other way. I can do this. Father, my prayer is this morning that these, your people, realize that they're nothing without you. Lord, we need you to work in our hearts and our lives and our families. We need you to work in this church. Father, we need you. Father, help us to accept the help that you're willing to give us. Father, we thank you for the many blessings. And we just pray that you would guide us, spirit and truth. Lord, help help us to take what we've heard. Help us to take the things you've impressed on our heart and, and to live them out. To tell someone else, to encourage someone else to love them like you loved us. To forgive them like you've forgiven us. Father, we just ask that you guide us now in spirit and in truth. May you have your way in our hearts and our lives. For it's in your holy and precious name I pray. Amen.